This evening for a little while, I want to talk about the challenge of forgiveness. And I want to say at the outset, the topics that I've chosen to speak on are topics that I brought with me. It wasn't like I got here and saw a bunch of bitter people, and so I thought I'd talk on bitterness. And, and, and some people that didn't act like they were listening, so I thought I'd talk about listening. No, these are, these are subjects that wherever I go, I, I've learned, and I'm sure that all of us have learned. As we go and we travel, people are the same pretty much everywhere you go. People struggle with the same things just about everywhere you go. And the, and the, and the things and the challenges that we have in Fort Smith, um, you have them here because we're, we're people, we're humans, and, and we all have the same, same battles and the same struggles. And so I want you to understand that the topics that I choose, these are topics that, again, that I brought with me that I know were helpful and applicable to us and to me personally, and I know that they will be to you as you find them to be truthful in God's Word. I want to talk about the challenge of forgiveness because, again, in my own life and in, and in talking and as an elder with, with people who are dealing with conflict in their life, oftentimes the subject of forgiveness comes up. And, uh, and there, it's a real challenge sometimes to forgive people. And I, I see two types of people. I see the one type of person that the heart is just hard and they've been hurt and they just don't want to forgive. But then there's also another type of people that understand God's will is for them to forgive and they want to forgive, but they can't find the capacity within themselves to forgive as much as their conscience and their heart tells them to forgive. And so tonight we're going to speak pretty much to that, that audience because those that have a heart that's hardened, that don't want to forgive, simply out of, a, out, out of hardness of heart, that's a completely different lesson. What we want to talk about tonight is the challenge to forgive. If you want to forgive and you're convicted by God's Word that you should forgive, but for some reason you just, it's just hard to do. And we want to look at forgiveness and try to understand forgiveness in its clearest sense. You know, forgiveness is a very popular subject. And there's a lot of people that write a lot of things about forgiveness. There's a lot of fancy things to put up on the wall that talk about forgiveness. And, and on Facebook, things are posted and on Pinterest and all of that. But we want to be careful not to get our theology from Facebook and Pinterest. We want to get our theology from the Bible. And I think that maybe sometimes we've taken the subject of forgiveness and we've made it into something that it's really not. And so tonight, we want to look at the Scriptures and try to simplify forgiveness. And to try to understand, what does it really mean to forgive? What are the implications of forgiving someone? What are my obligations as someone who is forgiving? And what are my obligations as someone who has been forgiven? And whenever we look at the definition of the word forgiveness, this is the Greek word that it comes from, and it literally means to send off. Go. Go. As we further explore the definition, it means to send away, to dismiss, to set free, to express the discharge or acquittal of a defendant, whether the appellant is non-suited by verdict or otherwise, especially to remit punishment where the guilty person is dealt with as if he were innocent. Whenever we look at the definition, one of the things that I want us to notice is the judicial and the legal language that is used here. A defendant. A defendant is someone who has been charged with, with a crime or an offense. 
An appellate is someone who has been found guilty and they want to appeal to a higher court the sentence that's been given to them. The guilty person is someone who has been found guilty, found culpable or responsible for some type of offense or trespass. But whenever we look at the definition, I want us to really focus in on the type of words and language that is used. And to understand that whenever we're talking about forgiveness, forgiveness deals with the guilt of a person. It deals with the guilt. And I want to emphasize that, and we're going to emphasize that this evening, because whenever someone hurts us, there's a lot of different dynamics that go on. A person may hurt us, and we lose trust. A person may hurt us and cause us pain. A person might offend us or hurt us and cause us loss. And I want us to understand that forgiveness doesn't address the issue of trust. Forgiveness doesn't address the loss. Forgiveness doesn't address the pain. Forgiveness in its purest form deals with guilt and guilt only. When God forgives us, He's dealing with our guilt. And forgiveness doesn't make everything okay. Because when God forgives us, do we automatically become all okay? No, when God forgives us, we become His work in progress. And so when we look at forgiveness, I want us to think singularly that forgiveness deals with guilt in all of those other things that are a part of the offense or the trespass that takes place, those are separate issues. And sometimes we conflate all of those. And so a person feels like, well, I can't trust this person anymore, so I can't forgive them. I still hurt because of what this person did, so I can't forgive them. I still suffer loss because of what this person did, so I can't forgive them. Forgiveness doesn't deal with trust, hurt, and loss. Forgiveness deals with guilt. And in the forgiveness of that guilt, then you set in process the addressing of all of those other issues of the relationship. As we look at the uh, last part of the definition, to remit punishment, where the guilty person is dealt with as if they were innocent. The word remit means to cancel or refrain from exacting or inflicting a debt or punishment. So when I'm forgiving someone, I'm addressing their guilt, and I'm saying, I don't want to punish you, and I don't wish punishment on you any longer. That's it. Pure and simple. Forgiveness deals with guilt. Whenever we look at the parable that Jesus taught, He gives us an illustration of forgiveness here. And I want us to go through and look at this illustration that Jesus gives as it gives us a good picture of what we're talking about. Peter came to Him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to seven times, Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. And so Peter, as a lot of us tend to want to do sometimes, wanted some legal understanding about forgiveness. How many times do I have to do it? 
Sometimes we get into the idea, okay, what exactly does a person have to do for me to forgive them? And we try to legalize our understanding of forgiveness. But Jesus here, using the illustration in His language, you do it up until 70 times 7. So not only is Peter told he has to forgive, he has to do a little math also. <laughs> Great, i got to forgive and now i got to do math. How can it get any worse? And so then Jesus enters into a parable. And he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. <laughs> now the value of 10,000 talents, just to put it simply, is a debt that could not be paid. This person could work every day for the rest of his life and take every penny that he earned every day the rest of his life and put towards that debt and would never pay that debt. It's symbolic of the unpayable debt that we owe God. And whenever he was not able to pay, the master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Which was a lie. He couldn't pay y'all. But in his desperation, he did, like a lot of people do in desperation, make promises that they can't keep. I will pay all. The master knew that he couldn't pay all. But whenever he looked upon this servant in verse 27, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. So there's an illustration of forgiveness and some principal parts of this illustration that I want us to understand is that first of all, there's a debt. There's a debt. That debt represents the guilt. And because of that debt, there is punishment that is appropriate for that debt. We're going to take you and your whole family and we're going to put you into prison until the debt is paid. And then there's compassion. After he pleaded with the master, have patience with me, I will pay you all. The master was cut to the heart. And in compassion looked to that servant and released him and forgave him the debt. Notice again the simplicity. Notice how that this is all centered around the guilt and the debt that was paid. The master doesn't get into all of the other issues that might be ancillary to the situation, but he just simply deals with the debt. And sometimes whenever we find it within ourselves difficult to forgive other people, I think it's because we misunderstand just exactly what it means to forgive and really how simple and how basic forgiveness is. And so what I want to look at briefly are just some what I think are misunderstandings of forgiveness. That maybe we can clarify some things about forgiveness that if you're in a relationship and you want to forgive, but you're thinking within yourself, I just can't forgive this person, hopefully we can bring some clarity that will help you or be able to help you counsel others that are dealing with issues pertaining to forgiveness. The first thing that we want to look at, and we've already mentioned briefly, is that forgiveness fixes everything. Forgiveness does not fix everything. It only addresses the guilt or debt of an offense. 
It only takes away the desire to exact punishment or wish punishment on a person. And again, in relationships where offenses have happened, there are matters of trust and confidence and hurt and pain and loss that must be addressed. But those are things that are addressed after forgiveness has taken place. For instance, this spouse may feel like, I can't forgive my husband. I can't forgive my wife because I just can't trust them. Well, again, the fact that you can't trust them is perfectly understandable. But trust has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness has to do with guilt. Well, this person has hurt me so bad, I just can't forgive them. Again, forgiveness just deals with the guilt. And the pain, that's a process of healing that needs to be addressed, but it can only be addressed after forgiveness has taken place. Because it's the forgiveness that keeps the relationship intact that allows for an addressing of the problems that are still present. You see, a lot of times... We're hesitant to forgive when we think we should forgive is because we think, well, if I forgive, then I'm saying everything's okay. And it's not okay. Forgiving doesn't mean everything is okay. Forgiving doesn't mean, well, if I forgive this person that's abused me, that means I just need to go back and take more abuse. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. What it means is, I'm not going to hold you responsible for guilt, but what it does mean is that I value the relationship and I'm ready to begin the restoration and the healing of it. That's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness, it's not magical words. It doesn't make the loss. It doesn't make the hurt go away. It doesn't restore trust whenever confidence has been broken. All of those things are issues that have to be dealt with after we've established the relationship. And that's what forgiveness does. And so if you're having trouble forgiving someone, don't think that, well, if I forgive, I've got to trust. If I forgive, I've got to quit hurting. If I forgive... Everything has to go back to being the way it was before. That's not true. It doesn't have to go back to being the way it was before. Now we want to work for restoration and we want to work towards healing to establish and bring about uh, health to the relationship. But that can only take place when we deal with the guilt. And isn't that the way that God works with us? When God forgives us, that's not, he's not saying, okay, everything's okay. No. That forgiveness is something that maintains the relationship so He can continue to work on us and make us what we ought to be. And so when we're in a relationship where there has been hurt, where there has been harm, forgiveness keeps the relationship intact so that we can address the trust issues, we can address the loss, we can address the pain, and we can go through the process of healing. So again, don't have the misconception, well, I forgive, then I'm saying that everything's okay. No, you're not. That doesn't mean, well, if I say I forgive, I've got to go back to him and suffer the abuse again, and I've got to suffer the harsh language, and I've got to suffer the neglect. And I've... No, that's, that's not what it means. 
Forgiveness doesn't mean that you just go back and just take it all again. Forgiveness means I love you and I care for you and I value the relationship. And I'm not going to hold you guilty for what you've done to me. And I want to work with you through the power of God to bring health and restoration back to this relationship. So if you're in a situation tonight where you're in a relationship where you feel pain and you lack trust and you think that those are impediments to your forgiving this person, don't think that. Don't think that. Forgiveness is all about dealing with guilt. Forgiveness means forgetting. Well, doesn't the Bible say forgive and forget? No, the Bible doesn't say forgive and forget. That's one of those little sayings that somehow sneaks into our Bible that never never was put there to begin with. But we've just heard it all of our life, forgive and forget. So if somebody hurts me, if I forgive them, I've got to forget it. When you look at some of the things that people have to forgive, it's not humanly possible to forget it. It's not humanly possible to forget it. Who can forget some of the offenses and trespasses that we have to suffer? I know when I look at instances in my life where I've forgiven people, I can just about tell you the date and time when the event happened and tell you exactly what happened. And I'm sure that there's instances like that with you. But that doesn't mean that I didn't forgive, and it doesn't mean that you didn't forgive. In Isaiah 43 and verse 20, the Bible tells us that God, He he does not remember sin. In Isaiah 43, 25, even I uh, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And so we might say, well, aren't we supposed to forgive like God? And God doesn't remember And so because I can't keep thinking, I can't quit thinking about it, I just can't forgive this person. I can never get the thought out of my mind. Therefore, I can't forgive. In Jeremiah 31, 34, in the New Covenant, the the Lord says in in the last part, their sin I will remember no more. You see, when we think of remember or forget, we think of it as just simple mental activities. Recalling an event, recalling an occasion. But in the scriptures, remember and forget means something different. The Hebrew word for remember that's used here has a much broader meaning and it includes not simply mental activity, but also action. In Genesis 8 and 6, the Bible says, Then God remembered Noah. So did the flood came and then all of a sudden one day God said, Oh, I forgot about Noah. I've got a guy and a family out there in a big boat with a bunch of animals in it and I still have it. He didn't forget Noah. He knew Noah was there all the time. When the Bible says that God remembered Noah, it it means that he's about to take action on behalf of Noah and the covenant that he made with Noah. And so notice here that whenever God remembered Noah, God made a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided and then the ark settles and then Noah comes out of the ark. When God remembered Noah, it didn't mean that God forgot about Noah. It meant that God was going to act on behalf of the promise and the covenant that he made with Noah. The word remember in the scriptures is a word that's not just linked to a mental recall, but it's linked to action taken in view of. 
In Genesis 30, 22, God remembered Rachel. And so therefore, because he remembered Rachel, he's about to act based on his relationship with Rachel. God listened to her and opened her womb. And so whenever we see the word remembered in the scriptures, it doesn't mean that there was something forgotten and then all of a sudden there was a mental recall. It means that action is about to take place in reference to some type of covenant, promise, or relationship that was established. And so in the Bible, whenever God says, I will remember their sins no more, He's not saying, I'm going to forget all about them. Now in our imagery of God's forgiveness, it's characterized that He doesn't remember them. But He doesn't remember them in the sense that He acts as if He doesn't remember them. He acts as if He doesn't remember them. God knows everything I've done. Everything I've done, good and bad but he doesn't remember my sins in the sense that he's not going to act according to my sins. And that's the way it is with our forgiveness. That whenever we forgive people, don't expect that whenever you say, I forgive you, you're going to forget what happened. You're not going to forget it. But what you're saying to that person is, when I forgive you, you're saying, I'm not going to act in reference to that offense that you made with me. I'm not going to act according to that. Notice what the Bible says in Jeremiah 14 and verse 10, where God says, And thus the Lord said to the people, Thus you have love to wonder. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. Notice the next statement. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. So he remembers their iniquity And what's the action? He punishes the sins. Hosea 9 and 9, speaking to Israel, You are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gibba. He will remember your iniquity. He will punish your sins. And so whenever we look at what it means to forget, forgetting or not remembering as it relates to forgiveness means not acting according to the offense that punishment will not be inflicted. My wife has forgiven me on several occasions. And I'm sure that if you ask her what happened, she could tell you. And I have forgiven her, and if you ask me, I could tell you what it was, and and you could too. But the beauty of forgiveness is that even though we know it, we don't act on it. And so rather than act towards a person's guilt in a way that I wish punishment on them or I try to inflict punishment on them, I'm going to act as if it didn't happen. So if you're struggling with forgiveness tonight and you're sitting there thinking, I can never forgive because I can never forget what, what he or she did to me, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is just you making the choice. Yeah, you did it, and I know you did it, and I remember you did it, but I'm not going to act on that. Rather than wish and pursue punishment, I'm going to wish and pursue healing. Forgiveness is about the other person and me. Whenever we look at forgiveness, 
It's important for us to understand just who are the principal parties involved in forgiveness. Whenever we go back to our parable with the servant and the master, in verse number 28, the Bible says that the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hand on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So we understand this is the servant that had been forgiven the unpayable debt. And now he goes out and he, he, he comes and runs into a, a fellow servant who uh, owes him a, a debt that wasn't really that significant. And he said, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what this other servant said to his master. And here's the difference. When this other servant said it to his master, he couldn't do it. When this servant says it to the servant that was forgiven, this was something that he could do. That if he gave him some patience, he could go out and pay it. But the servant would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So the forgiven servant would not offer forgiveness to his fellow servant. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And so this servant that had been forgiven was unwilling to forgive. And now he's called into account for that. And I want us to notice the conversation. Whenever the master is speaking to this servant, notice the parties that he emphasizes in, un, in, in, in explaining forgiveness. In verse 32, Then this master, after he had called him, said to him, Wicked servant, I forgave you. I forgave you. All that debt, because you begged me. I had pity on you. In this issue of forgiveness with the unforgiving servant, what relationship is the master emphasizing? Is it the relationship between the servant and the fellow servant? No. He's emphasizing the relationship between the servant and the master. And the fellow servant is just mentioned kind of in passing. You should have had compassion on your fellow servant. Well, why should he have had compassion on the fellow servant? because of the relationship that I've had with you. You see, forgiveness is not about the other person and me. Forgiveness is about me and God. Forgiveness is about me and God. A lot of times we put emphasis on the other person and what the other person does in order to determine whether I forgive them. When the emphasis needs to be placed on God and what God has done, as my power to forgive. And that's why when we look at forgiveness all throughout the Scriptures, the emphasis is placed upon the forgiveness that God has given to us. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, speaking to the Father. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Notice how that our forgiveness to each other is directly linked to God's forgiveness to us. In fact, I would say we are never more like God than when we're forgiving people. We're never more like God than when we're forgiving people. What's the greatest blessing God has given you? What's the greatest blessing that God has given me? There would be no blessing were it not for the blessing of forgiveness. Because it's the blessing of the forgiveness that makes a relationship with God possible in the first place. So in my estimation, the greatest blessing that God has given to me is forgiveness. Therefore, I should be so moved in my heart to be ready and quick to extend that blessing to other people in order to show to God that I appreciate the blessing that He's given to me. Ephesians 4.32, we read this the other day. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And it's almost like Paul says, okay, and if you have a hard time doing it, just as God in Christ's sake forgave you. Forgive. Forgive for the sake of God. Forgive for the sake of God. Colossians 3.13 Bearing one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. So in all of these forgiveness verses, what's the one relationship that is emphasized over and over again? It's our relationship with God. It's our relationship with Christ. And on the basis of that relationship, we are ready then to forgive each other. And so if somebody's seeking our forgiveness and we're not giving them that forgiveness and we feel it necessary to hold them to account for what they've done for us, we need to understand that the God of heaven is holding us to account for what we're not doing. God in Christ should be our motivation to forgive. Not what it does for us or the other person. You know, there's a lot of different writings out there about forgiveness and everybody, well, you should forgive because forgiveness is healthy for you. It removes stress. It helps you to clear your mind. Well, yeah, that's good. <laughs> but I think I've got better motivation than that. I've got better motivation than trying to have a clear mind. I've got better motivation than to try to relieve a little bit of stress. My motivation is to forgive because God's forgiven me. I want to forgive not because I want better health. I want to forgive because I want to glorify God. That's what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is beneficial. Yeah, it does relieve stress. It does clear the mind. It does help us be happy. But more importantly than all of that, it's beneficial because it's obedience to God's will. It's obedience to God's will. 
And so if you're struggling with forgiveness with someone, don't focus on that person. Focus on God. Focus on God. Question always comes up. Well, what if the other person doesn't repent? What if someone has hurt me and they haven't asked for my forgiveness? What do we do then? Well, we do know that repentance obligates us to forgive. Luke 17 and verse 4. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. But what if somebody doesn't want it? Well, we have a couple of examples in the Scriptures where men were faced with people who were doing harm to them. And the issue of forgiveness comes up. And I think it gives us a very good illustration as to what our response ought to be. If there's no expression of repentance, in Luke 23 and verse 34, when Jesus was hanging on the cross... And those Roman soldiers were nailing him to the cross. With each time they slung that hammer, they weren't saying, Lord, forgive us. Lord, we repent. They weren't doing that, were they? They were driving those nails, and they were driving those nails, and they were driving those nails with the hatred and the vitriol that was pouring out of their soul towards Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus do? He prayed for them. He prayed for them. Are you encountering somebody in your life that has hurt you and they're not asking for forgiveness and they're not willing to repent? What's your response? What's my response? What was the response of Jesus? I'm going to pray for them. Father, forgive them. Because there is no justifiable reason for you to begrudge and hold animosity in your heart towards anyone. You're never justified. Some people feel like they're justified to have their grudges. They're justified to have their animosity because this person hasn't said forgive me. Therefore, I'm justified to be angry with them. And I'm justified to... No, you're not justified to be bitter towards them. you should still remember the forgiveness of God. So here's a dying man. Here's a dying man. Of all of the things that he could have prayed for, Father, take care of my family. Father, please watch after my mother. He prayed for his enemies. There's another dying man. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 60, as Stephen preached the gospel to these Jews and they were uncircumcised and they were hardened in their hearts and they were just enraged and they just pick up rocks and they just start throwing him at him. With each time they threw it, they didn't say, Stephen, forgive us. Stephen, forgive us. Stephen, we repent. They didn't do that. What did he pray? Lord, don't charge him with this sin. I don't know about you, 
But if I was a dying man in a situation like that, I could think of a lot of loved ones that I would be praying for. But they prayed for their enemies. That's the type of heart that Jesus and Stephen manifest. And that's the type of heart that we're to have also. That whenever we're confronted with people who do us harm, and they're not asking for forgiveness, and they're not repenting, our response should be to pray for their forgiveness. What else can you do? What else can you do? Pray for their forgiveness. Act redemptively towards them in order that God would see fit to break their hard heart through your precious and sincere faith and response to the evil that they're committing against you. But it's not like we can just take them and throw them in jail and hold on to the key until they say the magic words, I repent. And I'm not making light of repentance, but what I'm saying is we're going to encounter people that hurt us that aren't going to ask for forgiveness, that aren't going to repent. And we've got to understand the godly response. And here we have two godly responses with the last breaths of two dying men. Father, forgive them. Lord, don't lay this to their charge. Pray for God's forgiveness and be ready to forgive. So in conclusion, forgiveness deals with the issue of guilt. It does not address the other issues involved in an offense. So if you're faced with the issue of forgiveness and you don't, and again, you've had, you have trust issues, you feel a sense of loss, you feel a sense of pain, that has nothing to do with your forgiveness. Forgiveness just simply deals with the guilt. If you value the relationship, if you value God's forgiveness towards you, then you will forgive them of the guilt, and then the healing process can take place. Forgiveness doesn't mean that if I was abused, I've got to just walk back into an abusive situation again. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. And again, that's kind of the idea that we have a forgiveness. Well, if everything's forgiven, then I've just got to go back and act like nothing happened. No, something happened. There's a problem. And forgiveness doesn't deny the problem. Forgiveness says, I want to begin to work on the problem. And whenever you're a forgiven person, understand that. Yeah, I was in this, I don't want to say too much since this is going on film, but people that think, well, well you've forgiven me, so we've just got to go back like it was before. No, you don't do that. If I'm a forgiven person, rather than making demands, now that I'm forgiven, you've got to do this, this, and this, I need to be humble. And I need to realize that this person has just given me a precious gift. And I need to be sensitive to their hurt, I need to be sensitive to their pain, and I need to be sensitive to their loss. And not take advantage of their forgiveness, but appreciate their forgiveness and begin the work of healing and restoration. Because that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness doesn't solve the problem. Forgiveness is the beginning of restoration and the healing of the problem. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we have no memory of the fence. It means that you don't act according to it. And forgiveness is not about what you, about you and the other person. It's all about you and God. You and God. And then finally, pray for forgiveness, the forgiveness of others, and be ready to forgive.
in those instances when people don't ask for forgiveness and those people don't repent, then our response needs to be to pray for their forgiveness. And doesn't it make sense that if I'm wanting God to forgive them, (laughs) then what do I need to do? God, you forgive them. I'm not going to, but you do it. No, I need to be ready to forgive also. So I hope our lesson this evening has been helpful to you as we address the issue of forgiveness. If you're struggling with forgiveness, hopefully we brought some clarity to it. And if you're someone in need of forgiveness, understand what forgiveness is. A forgiveness is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Forgiveness is a statement that I love you and I care for the relationship. Therefore, I'm not going to be consumed with your guilt and act according to your guilt. I want to act according to love and grace and the prospects of health and healing in the relationship. Appreciate that.